Scripture today is Luke 18. We looked last week at Luke 18, the parable that teaches us that we should always pray and never lose heart. And I hope that you thought about that a time or two this week, because that's really important. Obviously, it's important. Important if true, it's in the Scriptures, and Jesus told this parable. So obviously, it's really important for us to realize that we are assigned to always pray and never, never give up. The next parable in Luke 18. Now, in the Bible, when it tells us why this parable is there, we just accept it like that. When the Bible tells us why something is, when the, when the Bible says something, then we know that it's an issue. It's, a, it, it's important to us. You know, um, oftentimes you see Jesus answering questions differently than the question. And, and that is because Jesus knew their heart and Jesus knew what their problem was. So verse 9, he also told this parable to some. So obviously right away we see that this parable is for just a few or just some. It's an important lesson. There, there are some that need to hear what he has to say. Some may not necessarily really need to hear what he has to say. And he says he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt, trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated other people with contempt. And then he begins to tell this parable. This parable is about two men. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. One good, one bad through the eyes of people. One important, one not important through the eyes of people. The Pharisee was well-known, well-liked. He didn't become a Pharisee unless he was well-known and well-liked. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Extortioners. And so the Pharisee says, I'm so thankful I'm not a cheater. I'm so thankful that I'm not like that tax collector. You know, that tax collector would be known or thought of, regardless of who he is, as an extortioner, as a cheater. You see, the tax collector, uh, the IRS of the day, people would come by to pay their taxes, and they would figure out what their taxes were. And if that loan tax collector could get more out of that person than that person owed, he got to keep it. So obviously, the tax collectors, they can be wealthy if they're dishonest. And, and so that's what's going on here. This Pharisee, he is comparing himself with this tax collector, and he says, man, I thank you, God. I am not. Ooh. Just think about the phrase of that. We pray to God, God, I thank you that I'm not like so-and-so. A cheater, an extortioner, 
unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And so the, this Pharisee looks across the way and says, I'm better than him. I'm better than the tax collector. I, I'm, I'm important. I matter. I'm just significant. And God, you really ought to be thankful that I'm on your side because I'm not like these other people. So he was obviously counting in himself, trusting himself for his own righteousness, the righteousness of God. And it's obvious here that uh, he was treating other people with contempt. I'm better than they are. The Pharisee had special me syndrome. He stood by himself and prayed. He thanked God that he was not like other people. He was better than they are. He's arrogant. Other people were cheaters, sinners, adulterers, like a tax collector. He fasted twice a week, and he's not like them. As it says here, I fast twice a week. There in verse 12, I give tithes of all that I get. Special me syndrome. Sense of self-importance. Preoccupied with power, success, and beauty. Preoccupied with outside issues, outside matters. Matter of fact, he would evaluate people by what he saw from the outside. Do they have a sizable house? Do they drive a nice chariot? Is there a camel or donkey, a good-looking camel or donkey? And so he is preoccupied with power, beauty, and success. Special me syndrome is about being entitled. I deserve. He, he would say, I deserve a lot. I deserve to be appreciated. I deserve to be listened to. My experience deserves to be noticed in, in what he brings to the table. Nothing, something else about a special me person, they only want to be around people who are special or important. They only hang with the wealthy. They only hang with the popular. I mean, they just want so bad to be in the football booth with Taylor Swift. You see that happening? I heard that he was in Argentina and she changed the word of her song from an English boy to him and supposedly he smiled and all the Swifties were so excited about that. If I could just spend a day with Taylor Swift, I would be miserable as I could possibly be. But others don't feel that way interpersonally, exploiting for their own gain. They just don't value people. They value themselves. They just think about how much they can get from someone else. They're not interested in anyone else's success but their own. That's a special me issue, a special me syndrome. Arrogant, arrogant, arrogant people are in that. Lacked empathy. Just didn't care about others. Empathy is to be able to really identify with people and have a deep sense of, of identifying with the situation of other people. And these special me people are unable to do that. This Pharisee was a special me guy, and I'm here to tell you, he didn't have any empathy at all. 
He wasn't concerned with the spiritual condition of that tax collector. He was just glad that he wasn't like him. The special me guy needs to be admired, must be admired, spends a large portion of their brain power working, conniving to be admired by other people, to be noticed. And when we seek to be noticed, love doesn't come out. He just wants to be admired by other people. And he's envious of others or he believes that people are envious of him. That's this, tax, that's this Pharisee, not the tax collector, this Pharisee. Both men had sin. Only one knew that he had sin, though. Both men had a need. Only one recognized he had a need. Both men desperately needed the grace of God, but only one understood that. The special me guy doesn't understand that. He didn't believe he was a sinner. The Pharisee had not confessed nor repented of his sin. The Pharisee believed that he had earned a right standing with God. If you would ask that Pharisee, what makes you right with God? He would say, my education. Hard to reach those who have an education. Do you know that? Corinthians clearly says, it's hard to reach those people who have great pride in their wisdom. Not only did he have an education, and he had risen to the ranks in in the, the world of the Pharisee, but he probably had some wealth because very few of the Pharisees, especially those who were of the Sanhedrin, didn't along the way benefit somehow or another from their work financially. And, and there's a, probably a pretty good possibility that he came from a family that was a little better off than others. And so he likely he had money. But then, of course, you've got the education and you've got the possibility of money, although the Scripture doesn't say that. But, but what you do see here in the Scripture is a morality that he was proud of. People that are hard, hard to come to Christ have a morality that they're very proud of. Proud of. They just think they're better than other people. They just don't think that they have committed a sin that separates them from God. They don't understand that. And, and because they haven't committed what they would call a real bad sin in their life. They've pretty much been able to rationalize all their sins in some form or fashion. They just don't believe they're in need. And that's this Pharisee. And it's very, very hard for Pharisees to come to believe in Christ. And that's what you have here. Hard to reach them. Hard to reach them. And then we have the tax collector. Now, look in verse 9. He also went up to the temple, just like the Pharisee. He also is praying, just like the Pharisee, but what a difference. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, the tax collector is better off than the Pharisee. At this point, he didn't mean it. He didn't know it. He didn't understand it. He, it was just easier for him being broken, being ashamed, being just 
overwhelmed that he was wrong. He just didn't see. He just he just didn't think he had anything to offer. This tax collector was ashamed to look up at God because of his sin. The idea of beating his breast means that there was sorrow with his conviction. He was broken. And I'm sure he's thinking about the people that he's swindled. He's thinking about the people that he's harmed along the way. He's thinking about his sin, and he feels deeply, deeply convicted of his sin. And, and he's just beside himself. And, and he's ashamed of himself. If you were to say to the tax collector, you know, you're a real good guy, he would go, yes, I am. If you had said to the tax collector, you're a real good guy, he said, no, I'm not. I mean, that's just as obvious, stating the obvious, that's what's going on here. And it's easier for someone that is broken, that is, has found themselves to be a sinner, and they confess that they're a sinner to come to Christ. Much easier. You know, conviction means to be aware of our sin and feel sorrow because we have sinned against God. That's what conviction means. It means to agree with God about our sin. Convicted of our sin. We know that we are wrong. Conviction is not the same kind of sorrow that we would feel of getting caught. It is conviction without being caught. It is conviction without anyone knowing of our sin. It's conviction of our sin when there's no, there's no real consequences for this sin. We're getting by with it. We, we feel sorrow. We feel pain. We feel brokenness inside when we commit a sin that no one's going to know about. No one's going to bring up any consequences for us. We're just going to get by with it. That's how you can know when a child is ready to place their faith and trust in Christ is when they are aware of their sin. You know, when, when you say to little Johnny, little Susie, they, they you get a note home from school, and, and Johnny or Susie had to go to the principal for doing something wrong, right? And you ask them, what bothers you more, that you did what was wrong, or that you got caught and you're having to stay after school? And the child that says, I, I have more problem with getting caught. I wish I hadn't got caught. Not quite ready to believe in Christ for their salvation. That age of accountability people talk about. There's not a conviction of sin. But the child that comes home and says, you know, you know, can you answer for yourself? Why did you do this? I mean, and you ask him, are, are, you, are you more ashamed or more upset that you got caught than you committed the act and when they say, Mom, it's just wearing me out. I mean, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe that I made that poor choice at school. And man, I mean, getting, I mean, I deserve to stay after school because of what I did. Aha, conviction of sin. This tax collector has that kind of conviction. He has sorrow. The Pharisee, he has no sorrow. He has no awareness of his sin. 
He's not under conviction of sin. And so, understand, understand this, that when you are sorrowful, when, when you are grieving the fact that you have committed sin or you are a sinner and it's separate from consequences, you just have sorrow and, and you're just sad that you have sinned against God. That's conviction that leads to salvation. And the tax collectors there. Repentance means becoming completely clean and being honest about your sin. I have, I have seen episodes of time when, when there's a, a problem in a relationship, an issue, a matter, a family, or something like that, or on a team, or, or something at work, and, and there's an issue going on in the community between two people. And, and I, I've, I've noticed that nothing gets accomplished until someone comes clean, especially in a marriage relationship. When, when someone doesn't come clean with their sin about a matter, an issue, whatever it might be, no, you're not getting anywhere with that. And it's not repentance. It's not conviction. It's just trying to maneuver and manipulate that somehow or another you can get ahead in the conflict. And this Pharisee, he was a long way from coming clean with his sin. He's not even aware of it. But boy, this tax collector, he's ready to get even. He's ready to square up. He's ready to reveal everything that he's done because he desperately needs forgiveness. That's interesting with the other tax collector, uh, Zacchaeus, that we learn about in the scripture that Jesus met with. Zacchaeus he said, I'm going to pay everybody back even more than I stole from them. Boy, he had come clean. I mean, he's going to make matters right. He is going to, to, to make an amends with people. And confession and repentance happens when people are over the top to make amends. They have sorrow. They are ashamed. And, and they know that they have sinned against God. They have sinned against other people. And, and man, they're going to do all they can, 100%, to make it right, to make it good. That's the way this tax collector is. And we'll learn that in the next verse of Scripture that we will read. You see, confession and repentance and conviction and recognizing that we have sinned is when we accept all the consequences of our sin. There's surrender. The tax collector is at that point. It accepts one's personal responsibility and it doesn't blame others. Confession, repentance, making amends doesn't blame others for their situation. It comes clean. It just acknowledges their role and their role only. And they don't point fingers. That's where this tax collector is. This Pharisee, this important me person, he's not there. And this tax collector is at the, at the point in his life, because he's justified, and that's what Jesus says here in just a moment, he realizes 
Everyone needs grace and treats others as such. We know from Scripture that the people that have been forgiven much love much. Mary Magdalene loved much. She was a prostitute. She loved much when she was forgiven of all her sin. She was forgiven of all her sin. She loved much. How did she get there? She was broken. She was aware of her sin. She confessed her sin. She repented of her sin. And, and Jesus recognizes people like Mary Magdalene that they love much because they have been forgiven much. Now, in a crazy way, you would think, you would think the Pharisee would make the best church member. The Pharisee would make the best witness. The Pharisee would make the best preacher or pastor or religious dude, right? Not that tax collector, but it's just the opposite is true. But the best believer, the best testifier, the best witness in this story is not the Pharisee. It is the tax collector because he knows the value of grace and that Pharisee doesn't know it. That Pharisee doesn't know it. Look in verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house. This man went home justified. Those are the words of Jesus. The tax collector went home justified rather than the other, the Pharisee. Hmm. Why did the tax collector go to his house justified? Because he couldn't even look at God because of his sin. He just saw his own sin. And in the midst of that, because he is justified, in, in, in his life there was confession, there was awareness, there was desire to repent of his sins. And he goes home justified. Not the other one, Jesus said. Not the Pharisee. The Pharisee doesn't go home justified. The Pharisee goes home wrong with God because he wouldn't confess his sin. He wouldn't acknowledge his sin. He wouldn't repent of his sin. He didn't believe he had sin. And 1 John tells us, if we don't believe we have sinned, we, we, we're a liar. We're, we're not seeing the truth. We're not understanding our great need for Christ. But the tax collector did. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. Justified means that you're right with God and as if you've never been wrong with God from God's point of view. Sure, he's been wrong. But because he has trusted in Christ, believed in Christ, accepted God's way of salvation, he has confessed, repented, made amends. I mean, he's come clean. That's just what happens. He's right with God at the very moment of belief and confession. And the mo moment he says, I really want to repent, he doesn't have to do all the works to have that right standing. He gets that right standing immediately. But obviously, the repenting part, it follows that. And it follows it with sorrow and thankfulness that, that you have grace. And, and that's what's going on here in this story. That's what's happening here in this story. This is really an important parable. 
It's an important story. It's important for those who think they haven't sinned. It's important for those who think they're too good. It's important for those that think they're better than other people. It's important also for those who are like a tax collector. They realize they have sinned. It helps him to see that they're on the right track, right? It also helps us for those that want to witness, to share Christ with a Pharisee kind of guy. You can talk about grace and you can talk about mercy a lot to a Pharisee kind of guy, a special person kind of person, and you're not going to get anywhere with that. Now, you can share grace and mercy and forgiveness with a tax collector, and you'll quickly get somewhere with them. You don't have to explain to the tax collector they're a sinner. They go, boy, have you committed sin? Absolutely, I've committed sin. I'm a sinner. I'm the worst of all sinners. Man, I need help. You got anything for me? Is there any forgiveness for me? And of course, there is through Christ. But for the Pharisee, you need to address him in a different way. You know what you say to the Pharisee? The law. He's living by the law. Share the law with him. Here's the deal, man. You, you a good person? He says, absolutely, I'm a good person. I'm a Pharisee of all Pharisees. Man, I got it going. I mean, I'm moral. I, man, the guy across the street where I live, man, he's an animal. I'm not like him. I mean, you know, down the road, that guy cheated on his wife. Down the road, that lady stole money from her business. You know, I'm not, they beat their children or whatever they say. You know, I'm not like these people. I, matter of fact, when, when I evaluate me compared to all these people around me, you know, I'm a little better than they are. Ta-da. All right. So you're a good person. Absolutely. Have, have you kept all of the commandments? Let's just take the 10. You never had another God before God? Oh, I don't think so. Well, I mean, has there ever been a time that something was far more important to you than God? And if he says no, he's lying. He's lying. But you may not get him on that one because that's very uh, subjective. And it may not be what really bears down deep into his soul. But you don't go along. You know, no idols. You go along, you know, don't bear false witness. Ah, you probably got him with that one. But you know, when you go down that list of all 10 of them, I'm here to tell you, no one has ever, ever not broken one of those 10 commandments. There's been a lie somewhere along the way. There's been coveting along the way. There's something that you share with them, according to the scripture, if you're going to, you Pharisee, being a religious person is going to have any, give any credibility to the scripture. You have broken at least one of the Ten Commandments. You are in as much need for grace and mercy as that no good scoundrel tax collector that you worship with today. Man, that's how you have to go about it. Now, look at the rest of the scripture. It says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, you may think that you are 
better than other people. You may think the way to happiness and the way to life and the way to being satisfied with things is to exalt yourself, to promote yourself. But Jesus says something completely different. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. But he says just the opposite, doesn't he? He says, those who humble themselves will be exalted. Have you experienced the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Have you experienced the awareness? Do you just know in your knowing here, there's just an awareness, there's just an understanding that you have sinned against God? Have you confessed your sin to God? Have you repented with grief? Have you repented with sorrow? I mean, did, did, did you just feel lousy about it? Did you, did you just said, man, you're no good. You have sinned, man. You're a sinner. You're just like the tax collector. Have you come to that point and said, man, I, I, need, I need relief from this sin, from this burden. And, and your sin is always before you. I mean, it's just wearing you out and it's wearing you down. Man, you've got to understand that. Are you trusting in your goodness or His? Are you trusting in your goodness or His goodness, Jesus' goodness? I love the story. I, one of, one of uh, the guys in our small group said it to me yesterday, matter of fact, it's making the rounds. I love listening to Alistair Begg. He's a Scot, you know. He speaks from Scot. He came to Cleveland, Ohio, like in 1981 or two or something. He's been pastoring there at a church for a long time. And he's brilliant. He's just brilliant. He just comes across things that is, is so good. And in this little lesson he's using, he's talking about the thief on the cross. And he, he, he talks about, you know, you got, you got three crosses, Jesus on one and the other two uh, on the other opposite ends of Christ. And, and one of the thieves on the cross, man, he just let Jesus have it. You know, he's a scoundrel. He's scum. He, he doesn't recognize his sin. He's just mad at the world. But the other thief, man, he, he's seeing something in Jesus, obviously. He's looking at his partner, perhaps, in crime, in sin, and he's going, man, I don't want that. I want what this guy's got. You know, he hears Jesus forgiving people. He hears Jesus, you know, loving people. I mean, he sees Jesus forgiving and loving people. And man, you know, in the course of the conversation, in the course of the conversation, he just says to Jesus, remember me. Remember me, man. He had nothing else going for him. That thief had nothing else there. And he just says, man, remember me. And we know the story. Jesus says, I guarantee you, today, this very day, you will be with me in paradise. And then this is where the Alistair Beggs part steps on. Alistair Beggs talks about, you know, this, this thief on the cross arrives in heaven. And an angel comes up to him and says, okay, what is your name? The guy tells us his name. Where, where are you from? He tells him, he said, oh my, you've got some pretty good pains there. We have to get you all fixed up, whatever. And, and he says, uh, why are you here? Why, did you, why were you allowed to come in, to heaven? And the thief on the cross says, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? He says, I have no clue. I have no idea. 
Hmm. Hmm. The angel's perplexed. So the angel calls his supervisor. The supervisor angel comes over and says, what seems to be the problem? And, and this, this angel says, this guy doesn't know why he's here. And, and so this angel says, why are you here? He says, I don't have the foggiest idea why I'm here. I don't know. I have no clue. And the angel, the supervising angel says, well, do you understand salvation through faith in Christ alone? He goes, never heard of it. Do you understand that you are justified through faith and that makes you right with God? He said, never heard of that. Why are you here? He said, look, dude, the only thing I know is I'm there being put to death and I'm looking at this guy in the middle, this dude in the middle that said, today you would be with my paradise and I reckon this is paradise. It's looking pretty good. Yeah, I'm looking across that gate. It looks good. It looks like paradise to me. And he said, all I knew was I was wrong and he wasn't. And he said I could come into paradise. I was wrong, but he wasn't. Man, that to me, that is a beautiful picture of salvation. Now, obviously, it is better to know that we're saved through faith in Christ alone. Obviously, it's better for us to have an understanding that we are justified through what Christ has done for us and not by what we have done. We're never justified through our own works. We're never made right with God through what we achieve. Obviously, that's better. But salvation from the point of view of this story and the point of view of this Pharisee and this tax collector is to come to the place if you realize Jesus is good and we are not. We are not good. We have sinned against God. All of us have sinned against God. Jesus never sinned. And he died to pay that penalty. And I'm going to trust in what he did, not in what I might have done or be able to do. Man, I hope that you know for sure about your salvation. I really do. I hope that you're not lost in a world of the Pharisee, a special me. Maybe it's not, it's not much of your fault or all your fault. Your mom and dad always talk to you how special you are and you still think you're so special you don't have any needs. The school teachers always said, you're the smartest, you're the prettiest in the class, and you're still counting on that. You've always achieved, you've always made well, but, but you haven't been broken you haven't come to the place where you realize that, that you are like this Pharisee. You do the religious stuff, but on your own terms. I don't think this tax collector showed up every week. I really don't. I can't imagine this tax collector showing up week after week after week, setting himself up for this kind of anguish that he has sinned against God, that he is no good, and that he needs help and hope, I reckon that's this guy. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Open up. What's he saying? And I recognize on a Sunday morning here, you know, most people know the, know the Lord. Some perhaps not. I mean, I, I know that. 
It may be a message for you to deal with that family member. He's a special me guy. Yeah. They're full of themselves and, and how horrible it would be for their time to come to an end. And they're still special me. They have not repented. They have not believed. They have not confessed that Jesus is Lord. I just pray, Father, that you will use this parable to help us to walk in your ways and realize the value of understanding that we have sinned, that we desperately need grace, mercy, Lord, without your cross, without your gift of salvation in Jesus, we, we have nothing. Lord, that we need to make amends, that we need to, we need to repent of our sin and come completely clean as far as we know, Lord. May your spirit bring us to that point. Lord, help each one of us to walk in your ways, to come to faith in such a way that we enter our home today justified like this tax collector not like the Pharisee in Christ's name Amen ushers please come forward